welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. We returned for season six to answer the biggest question for a career military families. So when are we going to get out? And everything involved with answering this question. I'm Jen Amos, creator and co-host of Holding Down the Fort and a Gold Star family member and veteran spouse. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, co-host and chief shower-upper here on Holding Down the Fort. Together, we will converse with special guests from and for our military community to share knowledge and resources and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort while on active duty, going through transition, and into post-military life. Now, let's get into the show. Your resume isn't focused on where you've been. It's focused on where you're going. A quote by Lori Norris. Did you know that the military experience has many transferable skills to the private sector? Military transition resume expert and host of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, Lori Norris, recognizes that service members are rarely taught to market themselves. Since 2005, She has volunteered at the Luke Air Force Base to provide job search education and resume building to veterans. She shares when is the best time for service members to plan for post-military life, how to speak the civilian language, what she considers to be a better word for quote-unquote transition, and much more. Lori, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on our show. Thank you again so much for joining us. And I also want to take this opportunity to thank our show sponsor, U.S. Vet Wealth. In one of the more recent episodes of the Spouse Benefit Plan by U.S. Vet Wealth, episode six, titled, What's Your Monthly Barrel of Wine Worth?, which is a case study on an 05 retiring at 20 years. We continue on our conversation of the winery analogy that has been brought up in the previous episodes and apply it into real dollars by doing an in-depth walkthrough of calculating the estimated retired pay for Lieutenant Colonel Rick Howard at 05 retiring at 20 years with the high three calculator. If you have been following the show so far, this is a perfect opportunity to make sure that you have already calculated the following, your estimated annual retired pay, your monthly retired pay, total retirement benefit, and present value. This episode is available now, episode six, what's your monthly barrel of wine worth at the Spouse Benefit Plan by US Vet Wealth Podcast, which is available in your preferred podcasting platform, or you could also visit the website, thespousebenefitplan.com. With that said, thank you all so much for listening to our announcements. Now, please enjoy this conversation with Lori Norris. Welcome back to another episode of the award-winning podcast show, season six of Holding Down the Fort. I am your creator and co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my amazing co-host with me, Jenny Lynn Stroop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. And more importantly, welcome back now that you're not traveling as much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Glad to be here today. It has been a while. Yeah. Why don't you let our listeners know at the time of this recording what you were up to last week in D.C.? So last week, I had the pleasure of attending the Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year Town Hall Week, 
we had a great time doing lots of like leadership training, including a course at Quantico and ended the week with a celebratory luncheon that honored all of the 2022 winners from base to branch to the military spouse of the year, Sarah Strader, who's from Space Force. Mm. And it was great. I got to see several of our past holding down the fort guest and met lots of new folks I'd love to bring on because they are doing great things within our military and veteran communities. Awesome. I love it. I think that's super awesome. And I'm so glad that you were able to go out there and do a lot of networking and even meeting our guests in person. I mean, you were able to meet a lot of our guests in person that I even had a chance to meet yet. So I just love that you were all able to get together and take that group photo. And of course, to our listeners, you'll be able to see that group photo in an upcoming newsletter. So congrats again, Jenny Lynn, and also to all the other spouses that were out there representing. And yeah, just really happy to know that you were out there like showing up for us. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot of fun. It was definitely my pleasure. Yeah. Well, with that said, we are excited because we have another incredible guest here. I feel like every guest that comes on is now like officially part of the Holding Down the Fort family (laughs) because we just, you know, just like how you were able to see some of our guests in person, you know, we hope to continue to stay in touch with people who are on our show and continue to follow their journey. So without further ado, we are really excited to bring on Lori Norris. And a little bit about Lori Norris is that she is a military transition resume expert, the host of Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, in which Scott and I had a chance to be on her show. So thank you, Lori, for that. And she is an expert in job search education, as well as resume building. So without further ado, Lori, welcome to Holding Down the Forts. Thank you both for having me. It's it's always interesting to sit on the other side of the microphone now that I have my own podcast. So <laughs> yeah, you get to witness us and, and all of our uh, what's the word Jenny Lynn that I'm looking for. You get to you get to just be us. <laughs> I'm just excited. I'm not the only one that has these issues. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's why I love being on other people's shows because it's like, oh, okay, it's not just me. So I love it. You can relax with us. We're fellow podcasters. And um, we're just really excited to get into this conversation today because, you know, you are the go-to person for transition, particularly when it comes to job search and resume writing. And so uh, real quickly, Lori, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background of how you have been teaching job search since 2002. It's been 20 years now since you've been in this space. Oh, don't say it like that. That makes me feel old. <laughs> Sorry, how, how else would I read that? You, you were seasoned. Every- you were well seasoned at doing yeah, there, you there you go. <laughs> that just makes me sound like steak. So forget it. Let's just say I'm old. So, <laughs> you know, I spent uh, several years in the corporate office of a retail company um, that is now no longer with us, but. I did a lot of hiring. I sat behind the desk. I interviewed a lot of people. And when Mm. that company decided to close its doors, they gave me a severance package. And I was like, I want to do something different. I want to work less hours. So I'm going to go teach high school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I went to teach high school. I taught career readiness, like they called it senior survival. I really didn't love teaching that to high school kids, but I started teaching it to adults after that. And I literally lived two miles from Luke Air Force Base. So I just called them one day and said, hey, do you need any volunteer teachers? I really like to teach the subject. And I've been volunteering out at Luke Air Force Base as an educator since 2005. So I started off teaching adults job searching skills. And then I went out there not knowing anything about the military. I didn't serve. My husband didn't serve. My I'm the daughter of a veteran, but you know he served long before I came along. Mm-hmm. 
And I just had to kind of learn how to speak military along the way (laughs) and just kind of, it's like learning a new language, right? So I just kind of started learning the language, asking a lot of questions, and I've really just been out there at least every other month since 2005. Wow, Wow. that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, thank you for what you're doing for our transitioning service members. And we'll get into this a little bit later. But I think it's so interesting how, you know, you had to learn the military language where, you know, in a way, this is actually amazing. It kind of reminds me of my friends who, let's say, decide to teach English like overseas. And it's about like trying to learn the other people's language to try to help them understand the English language. It's like what you're doing is you're helping service members translate their work and their experience in the military into the civilian world, but it does require a whole different language. And because you have lived and breathed and existed in that space and worked in that space, like it it seems like you are like kind of the perfect bridge for our transitioning service members to work on writing their resume and doing job search. So I just want to just say kudos to you for doing that work. I'm sure it's not easy considering how it's a whole different world, but I am curious to know, Lori, if you can go back to that time when you first started volunteering, you know, what are some, I guess, like military jargon or, or things that you picked up? Where you're like, wow, I didn't know that. Like, I, that's, that's a very interesting thing. That's a very unique thing to the military experience that I didn't even know as a civilian. Well, I think the biggest thing that I was so surprised by is how similar the military experience is to the private sector. Mm. That there are so many transferable skills. I think that most civilians that don't know anything about the military think like, oh, it's so different. They do things absolutely differently than we do in the private sector. And that's really become my mission is to help people understand that it's really not that different. We Mm. just have to talk about it differently. And so I can't really say there's like any one thing that I can put my finger on and say, oh, that's, you know, that that's so surprising. But I think Mm. probably if I have to look at it, like the most surprising thing to me is that no one is talking about this until it's time to leave. Mm -hmm. Like, Why aren't we having this conversation about what's next until, you know, it's like six months before we're supposed to go. And it's like, how long do they spend helping them become a airman, a sailor, a soldier, you know, a Marine? And now we're saying like, okay, get out. Here's five days. Go figure it out. <laughs> like that was the most surprising thing to me, to, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. You know, uh, Jenny Lynn and Matthew are start, starting to ask themselves that question when we're going to get out. So she's hearing this from the inside. And so Jenny Lynn, I'm curious what your thoughts are. And if you have any insight to Lori's just big question of like, how come does it take to the very end for our service members and spouses to kind of, I guess, wake up to the opportunity of transition? Or prepare? I would say based on this current season of life, the reason many people don't have those conversations earlier is because it feels like life is a wide open fire hose right now. Mm. And it is just you are taking whatever assignment day by day, hour by hour, and trying to both survive and thrive in that season. So to add the burden of trying to plan for the future is a lot. I mean, like you said, Matthew and I, I mean, we're at four and a half years, not that anyone's counting, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and we, we do have those conversations because I've been involved in this podcast and know what you and Scott do. And we've had on great guests. And also there are many days that we look at each other and we're like, so (laughs) read a book and go to bed. (laughs) 
That sounds great. Like, because the pace (laughs) of life right now is really fast and trying to make any like headway on future plans, it, it feels like more than more than we have space for right now. And I totally understand that. I but I will I will tell you like I'm not talking about like a year out, two years out. I'm talking like it, in your first four years in the military, we need to start teaching service members like what mm-hmm. they need to think about in twenty. Like I don't want to teach them this so that they say, "Oh, I could do better in the private sector." I want to teach them how to manage their military career better, how mm. to make informed decisions about what certifications they pursue, what additional education mm-hmm. they pursue, like, you know, how do they set themselves up financially for the future? I think those are all things that we need to start talking about in like that first like intro to leadership course that we give. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it could be just an annual, okay, let's check in on our career. Let's check in on our planning process so that it could be a little tiny bite-sized chunks every year. So it doesn't have to get all dumped on you like a fire hose in the tap class where you're only going to remember 10% of what's taught to you, right? Yeah. I completely agree. It's funny. I have been a longtime champion and counter pursuer of so the Navy, which I've found every service does it differently, which also makes it hard, like Department of Defense wide. But the Navy, you know, has a class for prospective COs, commanding officers that depending on what they're going to do, their spouses come to part of that and they make like a command charter basically of like what it's going to look like when they're in command how involved is their spouse going to be? And what does involvement look like? But you're talking about people that are like 15 plus years in. And I'm over, you know, I've talked to several spouse friends who've gone through that. And they were like, Oh, my gosh, it was so great. Like we talked about how we were going to do this. And I'm like, I think that's awesome. But why are we waiting until 15 years in? Like, Matthew was, you know, he'd been in 10 months when we met. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I've been with him from the beginning. And, you know, now that I've had conversations with people who are transitioning out or have been in much longer than than he has, I'm going, hey, why don't we have that? So I am totally on board for like, yeah, not only should we teach you to be a good sailor, marine, soldier, etc. Like, we need to help like, have that programming on like, And how do you do this afterward? Because especially coming from a mental health perspective, the amount of training, like the amount of like self worth tied up in what we do as military members and family members, we see a lot of people transitioning out that have a really hard time because they haven't been taught that there's anything other than being a great sailor, soldier, Marine, airman, you know, et cetera. Guardian, Mm -hmm. I guess is the new one. (laughs) Yep. No, you're right. I think that helping people see who they are apart from their uniform is, I think, a big part of how smooth their transition goes after the military. So you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. And, you know, Jenny Lamb, in hearing you talk, I just want to like kind of take this time to acknowledge that spouses and service members and really our families are doing the best they can to, you know, shameless plug, hold down the fort and, (laughs) you know, really live that day to day. And it's interesting because, you know, in in talking with my colleagues, 
who didn't have families in the military, mm-hmm. I have to constantly remind them like, hey, it's not that, for example, the spouse doesn't care about this stuff. It's not that they don't care about long term mm-hmm. planning. It's that they have a million things to focus on. And then you're asking them, oh, by the way, you also have to take care of this on top of everything mm-hmm. else. It's mm-hmm. a lot. And mm-hmm. and so it's just I just want to take this moment to recognize that our families are doing so much already. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that constant battle or question of like, how do we whether it's you, Lori, or what Scott and I do with our company, like how do we make this transition just easier for you all? Like, how do we just make it easy for you to be like, yeah, that makes sense. Let me just go with that. Or let me choose this. Let me make these informed decisions. Because again, we we also have that that fight of the fire hose of information that we often talk about as well. So I feel like that's a constant thing that we're trying to figure out. And so far, I feel like the best way to break through the noise is to be a trusted voice, you know, mm-hmm. to really show the community, even doing a show like this to show people like, hey, we care. Like, we want to hear your mm-hmm. stories. We want to hear your mm-hmm. struggles. We want to know what you're going through right now. We want to validate it. And that's why we're here because we want to make your situation a lot easier and a lot more smoother. So yeah, that's just sort of what came to mind for me, Jenny Lynn, and hearing you talk and and giving us a snapshot of even your current life right now. What you just said is exactly why I started the podcast in the first place is because I know that there is like a fire hose of information that comes at you from tap and I want to deliver it in bite-sized chunks Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that Mm -hmm. it's easier to intake and digest. And like education was the reason I started the podcast. But what I found is that support has been the best value of the podcast mm-hmm. because people listen to another veteran's stories and they're like, oh, I'm not the only one that felt that way. I'm not the only one that can't figure out who I am. I'm not the only one that can't figure out what do I want to be when I grow up, right? And so it's like, I'm not the only one that, you know, wants to quit my job because I don't like what I'm doing, you know? So I think that that's been a really big value of the show is mm-hmm. like finding mm-hmm. that community almost like, I know it's just somebody in your ear, but it's, it's like you, you connect with them and you relate to them. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we're always going to take a friend's recommendation over a stranger's recommendation. Right. And yeah. if you can really put yourself out there in a way that you want people to know that mm-hmm. you're their friend, that you want to support them, that you're their number one advocate. Like, yeah, they're more likely to listen to your recommendations. But Lori, I think what's most interesting about your experience is even though you have mentioned that, yes, you're a civilian and yes, your dad is a veteran, but it was like long before you were even around to know what that military life is like. Um, I think what's unique about you is that you, you did help volunteer or teach at the TAPS program and really help these transitioning service members, like you were able to see firsthand what was their mindset. And so tell us a little bit about, I guess, like what it looks like from the inside to be in those TAPS program and see these transitioning service members, you know, teaching them about, you know, let's say resume building. And they're just like, you know, maybe a deer staring at headlights. (laughs) Tell us about that. (laughs) But I think the problem with the job search process and, and especially the resume writing process is there's no one right way to do it. Like mm. use the checklist, right? Tell me exactly step by step by step how to do it. And with a resume, that doesn't really exist, right? I can give you lots of best practices and, you know, all day long, but there's no one right way to do it. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the issues that people find is like, well, just tell me how to do it. And I'm like, I can't tell you how to do it only you know that, right? But I can teach you the process of ri- of writing that resume. So I think that is one of the biggest frustrations for people. Another one I, I hear a lot from them is like, I can't get them to understand. 
And I don't know if you've ever like tried to shake someone by the shoulders and say, you have to listen to me. Or if you've ever been teaching a class and like, you have to understand what I'm saying, but that doesn't really work all that well. And so (laughs) I think the problem is that service members are told like people appreciate your service and they're going to be handing jobs to you when you leave. And both of those things are true. Everyone does appreciate your service and there are jobs available to you because you're well qualified for them, but it's not a given, right? Mm -hmm. And you can't expect that employer to understand exactly what you're saying, right? So I always say like the the onus is on the service member Mm -hmm. to help them understand the value of their skills. And the only way you can do that is to learn to speak their language Mm -hmm. and to learn to translate your terminology. So I always (laughs) kind of liken it to um, going to a foreign country that doesn't speak English as their first language. Mm -hmm. And if you get off the airplane in this foreign country and, you know, they're speaking a different language that you don't get off the airplane and say, all right. I'm here. <laughs> Everybody needs to speak my language now. So you all right. need to change to English because that's what I speak. <laughs> so writing your resume with full of military terms or going into an interview or writing your LinkedIn profile and only speaking military is like walking into that foreign country and expecting everyone to adapt to you. They're just not going yeah. to. So it's <laughs> just not going to happen, right? So <laughs> those are just yeah. some of the big, big things that I see. I love the analogy of like walking in the far country. I'm like, as you were talking, Lori, in my head, I was seeing like the LinkedIn profiles I've come across. And I'm like, oh, this is not like, that is really lovely. And I'm sure you did a really great job at whatever that is. But nobody knows what that is other than other people who did (laughs) what you did in the military, you know, and also from a spouse perspective, like I've been involved in a lot of conversations lately about what it looks like to translate our volunteer service, because by, you know, stereotypically, if you will, like as a group, (laughs) we are incredible at volunteering. And that is really hard to figure out what that looks like when you try to transfer it into the workforce, having just kind of rejoined the workforce myself a couple of years ago, you know, that was a big thing. And while I do think talking about what you do inside the military community is important on your resume, making it manageable for other people who may not know what that means is definitely a good tip because it it is important, especially if you've done this for like decades, right? Like that's a big deal. I want to get into the topic of military terminology next. And before I do, let me go ahead and give a shout out to our show sponsor, U.S. Vet Wealth. For our service members at the rank of E7, E8, E9, O5, and O6, it's a fact that you've invested decades to earn your military pension. At U.S. Vet Wealth, we ensure that you don't wait another 20 years for your second retirement. We do this by showing you how to privatize your military retirement pay. However you want the next chapter of your life to look like, whether it's getting that supplementary paycheck because you want to work, not because you have to work, starting a business, or you know what? Taking a break before figuring out your next career or adventure. Privatizing your military pension will give you the ability to decide what autonomy, impact, and work-life balance looks like for you in post-military life. Download U.S. Wealth's free white papers titled Navigate Your Retirement Pay and Survivor Benefit Plan Alternatives to learn more. Once again, 
our white papers are case studies for the following ranks, E7, E8, E9, O5, and O6. And they are available to download for free. No email opt-in necessary, which I know people love that. No email opt-in necessary. How to say it again. At our website, usvetwealth.com. That's U-S-V-E-T-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. Speaking of the military terminology and the acronyms really that come with it, Lori, you have what you call a free veteran resume self-inspection checklist in which our listeners are able to download straight from your website, nextforvets.com. And in this checklist, you had mentioned that one of the tips you recommend is to free your resume of military terminology and confusing acronyms because, you know, as great as it is, if it's not relevant, like if people can't understand the information, then they're going to think that your experience is irrelevant. So right. tell us a little bit more about that. And how can our service members and even spouses like be proactive in figuring out how to translate their service to civilian world? Yeah, I think that so I want to tell I'll tell you a story. So I have people, okay. you know, my friends know that I work with military service members and my friend called me. She's like, I have a question and, and I'm sorry if it's a dumb question, but I keep getting these resumes and it says that they're a Nequok. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? A Nequok? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it's like, it says N-C-O-I-C. So I'm guessing you pronounce that Nequok. What is yeah. a Nequok, right? And it's like, oh, that stands. That's an acronym for non-commissioned officer in charge. That's like a manager. And so what I always teach people is don't Nequok the civilians. You confuse them, <laughs> right? We don't want to do that. <laughs> and so it is really important that you take that out. I mean, I've seen resumes where they'll put their MOS, right? They're a 21 Bravo. Like mm. it will, I, and I don't know what a 21 Bravo is or even if it exists, <laughs> but let's just say a 21 Bravo, I should know that, but I don't. It, it, let's just say that a 21 Bravo is a diesel mechanic. So instead of putting that 21 Bravo, put diesel mechanic. Otherwise, mm. they're going to have no idea that you have experience as a diesel mechanic. So you've got to translate first and foremost your job titles. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing, you know, like as an example, like in the Air Force, as you move up in the ladder, you become a superintendent. Well, in the civilian world, superintendents run our schools. Right. And so you've got to think about what those two things mean mm-hmm. differently. Mm-hmm. Right. And so starting with your job titles and, you know, how you translate that job title might depend on the job you're applying for. But mm-hmm. you also you need to be realistic and, you know, you're not a, a chief executive officer, even if you're, uh, you know, squadron commander, you're you're just not like the, the wing commander or the, you know, the, the battalion commander, you know, isn't even the CEO. Right. So you've got to translate um, your job titles so that they convey what you do, because when people skim your resume, they're going to look at your job titles first. Mm. If they don't see something that jumps off the page that says you've done the job that they're hiring for, they may not even read your resume all the way through. So that's the first step is like starting with that that job title. And how do you do that? And really, how do you do all of this is you go out and you start job hunting, first of all, read job postings. Mm. And Mm -hmm. um, you use tools like the ONET. The ONET has a crosswalk. You can put in your military occupation, your MOS, your MOC, your AFSC, whatever your branch of service calls it, you enter that into the ONET and it'll spit out kind of a, like, here's what we think that translates to. 
And I recommend you print that out. And then you go out and you enter into that ONET. You know, let's say I want to be a project manager, just to throw that out there. And I print that out and I lay them side by side and I start to draw parallels between the two. And then you start mm. to look at, okay, well, what am I missing? Maybe I need to go and learn more about earned value management or, you know, risk analysis. And I can start gathering that education now. You're six months out. It's a little late to do that. You got other things you got to do. And that's why I want to start thinking about this earlier. So, you know, so that you can start preparing for that. But those are just some of the, the ways. And then the best way to start learning to speak a new language. I know this is groundbreaking, right? But <laughs> hang out with us civilians. <laughs> there line, you go. Right? We're not monkeys, I promise. Like <laughs> we are nice people and we so but you know, informational interviews is a great way. Like start reaching out to people on LinkedIn, which I know is really scary if you don't know them, but they do really want to help you if you just tell them I'd love to have 15 minutes of your time to talk about the career field that you're in. I'm getting ready to wrap up my military career and I'd really like to gather some additional insight and information. Can I get 15 minutes of your time? You're gonna get at least a 50% success rate with people that'll say yes. So start doing those informational interviews. And if they say a word, a term that you don't know what it means, just ask them. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you said earn value management. Like, tell me how you use that in your mm. everyday job, right? You know how I learned to speak military is when someone would say something that I didn't understand, I'd be like, okay, you got to explain that to me. And then as they were talking, I'm like, oh, that sounds like this. And I throw it back to them, right? Mm. And I do the same thing as I as I talk to veterans and help them with writing their resume. I ask them questions and I say, tell me if you've ever done this. And they're like, oh, no, I don't deal with compensation and benefits. I'm like, really? If someone has a pay issue, who do they come to? They're like, oh, that's me. I'm the one that has to handle all that. I'm like, that's compensation. And so they just don't know. They don't call it the same thing. And so sometimes mm. that conversation with someone really helps you to start to identify that you really do have those skills. You just call them something different. And so those are kind of my best resources is job postings, the ONET, and informational interviews. I think those are the three best resources for starting to learn to translate your terminology. And you describing like how to translate all the military terminology, it, it gives you an opportunity to reinvent yourself for military life. And interesting because, you know, this doesn't necessarily resonate with me just because I've been self-employed for most of my adult life. So I, I don't know how to do the resume thing. But my assumption to write your resume was to go with the titles you were assigned at your previous job in a way. So I love how you're teaching people like, well, interpret your title so that your potential employer would understand what that means for them and how it could benefit them. Because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is employers looking to see how are you going to you know, help our company move forward in a sense. Yeah. And so I really like that transformation, also kind of opportunity to reinvent yourself. I'm fascinated to know more about that. Like, let's say you've done the informational interviews, you've gone on that website and figured out like what translatable skills you have how do you rewrite your resume like for every job that you want without having to rewrite the whole thing? I mean, I think that's something that, you know, I've had to do over the course of my career. I have a master's in elementary education. So there for a while, I, all of my teaching experience was on top, right? Like, 
And now I do outreach for military mental health. And so while education is important and I'm never not going to have my master's in it, like that isn't the thing I lead with. But I would love to know more about how to make, you know, how to work on that for like the job that you're looking for. So I'll tell you right now that, you know, I do resumes. That's kind of what I talk about. Um, But I'm going to be the first one to tell you that a resume is not the first thing you need to do when you're getting Mm. ready to transition, right? Even when you're getting ready just to go on a job hunt, everybody says, oh, I got to get my resume done. And (laughs) while the resume is still important, as much as everybody wants to say it's dying, I've been hearing that for the 22 years I've been in a business. (laughs) Um, So it's dying a very long, slow death. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. But it's not the most important thing. Like the absolute most important thing is focus. Like you have to figure out what you want to do. And you can't write an effective resume until you know your focus, until you Mm. know exactly what kind of job you're targeting. You can't write a resume that is going to get your phone to ring consistently. Mm. And so when you say I have to rewrite it each time, well, you should have a foundation of a resume that has all the keywords and terms for the industry and type of job you want to target. And then you're just finessing it for the mm-hmm. individual company, for their mission, their culture, their, the terms in their job posting. And it mm. shouldn't be a, a complete overhaul. You shouldn't have to start from the bottom and, and go, you know, start all over. It should be like, oh, I have a solid foundation. I've got the walls in place. Now I just maybe need to change the roof line, right? So you're really not doing a complete overhaul each time. And that's that's why it's so important to have that focus. It's why I talk about it so much because if we don't have a focus, our resume looks like that jack of all trades and we all know what comes next, right? The master of none. We're basically saying, I can do anything, but not really all that well. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. so we want to show ourselves as a specialist. And the way we do that is once we decide our focus, then we only include the relevant information in our resume and the rest doesn't belong in it. Now, that doesn't mean that if you have, you know, like, let's say that I'm a, I almost think of an example of something I just wrote. So I'm, I'm an HVAC person. I'm, I've managed like installation, maintenance, repair projects in HVAC, but I spent like the middle of my career was in recruiting. I was a recruiter for six years. And so do I leave those six years off? No, I still can include them. But what's most relevant about those six years? Mm-hmm. Sales and business development, mm-hmm. communication and customer service, and then being able to have an understanding of recruiting and hiring and human resources and HR law so that I can go on and be a really effective manager because I'm not going to mm-hmm. be out breaking HR laws, right? So it may not have as big a space on my resume as my HVAC manager and my earlier HVAC technician experience, but it still has a place on my resume. And so that's really, that was a really long answer, but that's the way you you just have to identify like, okay, this position from, you know, 2018 to 2022, what is most important and most relevant that I think an employer will want to know about this time as I move forward? I guess, and that's the other thing is to think about your resume isn't focused on where you've been. Mm. It's focused on where you're going. Hmm. Wow. So how do you use where you've been to prove you're qualified for where you're going? That's right? deep. That's, <laughs> I could that's tell deep. Jenny Lynn's taking notes and I'm just like, 
process. I love that. It's like, it's not about where you've been. It's about where you're going. And it's about like translating your work experience into the person you want to be moving forward or the type of employment you want to have moving forward. Mm -hmm. So I'm just taking it all in. (laughs) I was taking copious notes. Thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. These, these, These are always like really good. I mean, we haven't had anyone really talk about resume building on our show, actually. So, Lori, I think, to my knowledge, you're you're really the first one. And so I think that's why Jenny Lynn and I are just like leaning in and, and hearing everything that you have to say. So one thing that we talked about offline, Lori, is that in a way, we kind of wished that we didn't call it transition, that this is not transition into civilian life. Yeah. And so tell our listeners a little bit more about like kind of what you wish it was really about or, or how would you describe it differently? So to me, transition says we're going from one place to another and then we're done. Right. Mm-hmm. And so right. Which we're not. And, and to some extent, that like that's the way that veterans approach it. It's like, oh, getting a job, that's a checklist item. I've checked mm. that box. Now I'm done. I can just settle in and ride it out for until I'm ready to officially retire. And it doesn't work that way. And we've all heard the statistics of, you know, like double digit percentage rates of veterans that leave their first job out of the military within six months. Oh, wow. um, when you get into that within a year, it gets up in the 60 percentile, the last thing I saw. And so finding a job, while it's important to keeping a roof over your head and feeding your children, is not like the only part of this. And so really, it's more of a transformation. It's almost like you're coming out of your cocoon of being a service member and figuring out like, am I a moth or am I a butterfly? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and where, you know, what, what color do I want to look be? And what are the, the spots that I'm going to have? And like really figuring out like, okay, I'm closing the chapter on that part of my career, of my life. And I will always be a veteran. I will always be part of the service where I served. But now I get to go and figure out what I want to do. And so it's more of a, a, to me, it's really a transformation that Mm. now transformation is ongoing. And Mm. you might land that first job and go, all right, I got some experience. Now I'm ready to go take on the next challenge. Or, you know, maybe this wasn't the best place for me. I want to try it in a different way. And so the average adult will change careers, not jobs, but careers between seven and nine times in their life. And so if your one career of 22 years was as a service member and you were aviation maintenance that whole time, you can expect that the next 20 years that you're working, you're probably going to change career paths a couple of times. So, Hmm. you know, just be open to that change, be open to that adaptability, that transformation that you are going to go through and know that getting a job is really just one part of it. Hmm. You've got to figure out like, how am I going to communicate? You know, for those of you that are retiring, like your spouse, thank the Lord has been there holding down the fort and literally (laughs) and raising the children and has kind of done it to some extent on their own, a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And so now you're going to come into the fold and that's going to be different, right? So there's the family dynamic. Um, there's your community. Like it's always now that you've taken the uniform off. When you go back to the place where you served, you're going to feel different. 
Mm-hmm. And so you're now you have to build a new community, like find a new tribe of people. There's so many things that go into transition that are so much further beyond the job that my focus is on helping you find the job so that you take that stress and pressure off and you can focus on all the other things that will help you figure out kind of who you are and how to be happy. I just love everything that you're saying, Lori, because it just makes me think about what Scott and I continue to try to do at our company. It's like, can we just get the finances taken care of so that you could just focus on like who you want to be so that you can just focus on reinventing yourself? Can we please take care of that? And I love that spirit of like, really, this is not about a job. Like, yes, of of course, the resume is important. Getting a job is important. But this is your chance to reinvent yourself. This is your chance to maybe explore like who you wanted to be before you joined the military and so many other things, so many other aspects around that. And so I just I love that spirit and it makes me hopeful, you know, for our service members. And I I hope that our listeners really got a lot out of, you know, hearing you talk today. I love the reframe of instead of transition, transformation. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I think I've seen at least in, in Matthew's career, like I'll speak from personal experience Even if you remain an aviation electronics technician your entire career, every single time you PCS or you change duty stations, like, yeah, you're still an aviation electronics technician, but none of those jobs are the same. And so I think what people envision in getting out of the service and becoming a a civilian again is like, you kind of spoke to Lori about that once and for all, like, well, now I'm not this, I'm going to be this when really like you've transformed little bits over the last 20, 30 years. You know, like I said, I've watched my husband and he's been the same, you know, had the same job title, if you will, like for the since 2010. So for the last 12 years, and yet every single place he's worked at has required a slightly different skill set. And he's done different things with it. And so to assume that you're just gonna get out and be a civilian, and that's it. You know, I mean, you haven't done that your whole military career, even if you were always aviation, electronics, technician, whomever you did something different and transformed a little bit along the way because you added leadership roles and you added additional duties and, you know, lived in all different places, which requires a lot of different skills. I've now lived like North, South, East and West and everywhere we've lived has required a different set of skills. <laughs> you know, so I just love that reframe as the the transformation, like it's not a one and done. And I think when you can look at it like that, it makes it easier on you because none of this is forever. And I think there's a big like fear there with, oh my gosh, well, no one's forcing us to move in two years. I'm stuck. Or this is what I have to do. Like from now until Mm -hmm. forever, this is what I've decided. And this is what we're doing. And actually you've lived a life of like constant change and transition. So to assume, I mean, Jen, you've talked about this as a military kid, like to assume that like you're all of a sudden going to get out and just be a completely different, (laughs) different person and go, yep, we're done. That's it. We transitioned. All done. (laughs) Yeah. You know, is a little unrealistic. So I love the reframe to transformation. Yeah, it's, it's like demystifying the happily ever after story. It's like, hey, it's not happy ever after when you transition out. It's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, Lori, as we, you know, wrap up here and before we ask, you know, how people can get a hold of you and, you know, check out your podcast, Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. My final question for you is, what is most gratifying about your work? Because you have been doing this for such a long time. There must be a reason why you're continue, why you continue to be in this space. I love when the light bulb goes off. I mm. love helping people see like, I am qualified to do that. Or I do have that skill. I just called it something that I love to like turn that on. And for people to go like, I never thought of myself that way. Mm. Like, I think my my LinkedIn says I'm on a mission to teach veterans how to market themselves because you've never really had to do that before. It's it's we, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so I love helping you say, okay, great. I was a really good part of a team, but this is how I made an impact. And this is like teaching them that having a conversation about what you do really well is not bragging. It's simply stating the facts of what make you worth the money that you're going to ask them to pay you. And so that's really why I keep doing it is I figure it's the least I can do. If I had joined the military, I would have got bounced out after the first six months because I don't like to follow rules that don't make sense. So forget (laughs) it. I never would have made it. And so this is the least I could do to serve the people that serve me. And, you know, I've always been around the Air Force Base here and you know, there's F-35s flying over my head all day long as I drive around town and I love it. And I just, I, that's really why I do what I do is just to help do something that no one is truly teaching effectively out there. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's such a niche like skill, I think, to teach our service members how to transition successfully. And what you're doing is helping them transform and translate their work experience into the civilian world. So Lori, thank you so much for everything that you do and all that you continue to do. Let our listeners know, how can they find you if they want to reach out? So please look for me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. You can find the podcast Lessons Learned for Vets podcast on any major provider or our website is ll for for uh, or the number four vets.com. Both go to the same place. And you can go to download that veteran resume self-inspection checklist at nextforvets.com. Awesome. And we'll be sure to provide that in the show notes, as well as the interview that you recently had Scott and I do. So thank you again for that. Lori, it's been such a pleasure having you. Jenny Lynn, any final thoughts to Lori before we go? Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And to our listeners, we hope you got a lot of value out of today's conversation. And with that said, we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Hey, thanks again for joining us at Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Once again, I am your co-host, Jen Amos. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you've gotten a lot out of our conversation today, be sure to leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Or you can leave us a kind LinkedIn recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Learn more about Holding Down the Fort by visiting holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And there you'll also be able to find us on social media and how to contact us directly. Thank you all so much for joining us. Until next time. Bye.